Peace, love, and blessings, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirits and Poetry podcast and frequency. I am your host, Jorge Quintana. Today's episode is Titles and Boundaries. So we're going to be building on the last episode, which was almost a month ago. We missed last uh, last session's uh, episode, mainly because I needed to regroup, just come back to myself. We are entering winter, which is a time of death, a time of of, of our bodies needing to relax and and come back to our center. So I've definitely been making that effort so that I can return, keep the energy, keep the momentum, and more than anything, make sure that I'm coming from a fresh perspective as opposed to to getting frustrated with where I'm at and then channeling that frustration to the to this podcast. If you're a first-time listener or if you've been a long-time listener, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you can rate it. I would greatly appreciate it. And you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at The Spirits in Poetry. But let's get into this episode, Titles and Boundaries. I've been changing things up. It, 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 I actually... I struggled to commit to this episode. Originally, it was going to be on titles and summarizing life and eventually getting to the conversation on what it means to really summarize life, what it means to really comprehensively bring it all together and just say, this is what life is or this is what life is not. But ultimately, I just felt it was it was very limiting more, more than anything because I'm at a point where I, I'm not just aware that I know nothing, but I'm increasingly frustrated over the fact that I know nothing. So I figured, why not talk about boundaries instead? But before we get all to, into all that, let's just talk about titles. Because if you think about it, titles themselves are a form of boundary. They can help limit or specify what the poem will be about. For example, an episode or two ago, I used the poem Ode to Cheese Fries by Jose Olivares. And in that title, he told us two things. Number one, that poem was going to be completely about cheese fries. And number two, it's an ode. And an ode is a style of poetry which elevates the subject. So this poem was going to be all about not just cheese fries, but how amazing cheese fries are. Your poem title can also be used to specify a location. Like there's this poem I wrote called Spiritual Vagabonding in Sacramento. I wanted the title to tell you where it's located. A lot of the times because, well, in the poem, I reference trees and Sacramento being known or at one point being known as the city of trees. I wanted that connection to be made. And in fact, I'll actually share this poem at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that. Titles are very important. And oftentimes your poem, your piece can be made or broken with a catchy title or with a boring title. And you never really know, so it takes a lot to know. How do you make a good, strong title? YouTube channel Writer's Relief actually has an episode titled, of, it's dedicated to seven useful elements for a powerful title. And in these seven elements, the first one is using poetic language to make a statement. Spiritual vagabonding in Sacramento may or may not be interesting to you if you're someone that is, is walking down their own spiritual path or you're familiar with what vagabonding is or you're from Sacramento, just seeing the city can be like, whoa, well, you know, what is this about? The second useful element for a powerful title is action words. Strong verbs that stand out and command attention like things fall apart or one of the coolest poems I've ever read. It's called Fuck the Astronauts. <laughs> and speaking of the way titles can limit a, a, a poem, 
if you're reading Fuck the Astronauts as the title, that's one of those titles that serves to not limit, but rather expand the scope of your work where you really have no idea where this poem leads you. And I highly recommend you read it. It's called Fuck the Astronauts by James Tate. And it is a work of, of surrealism that you get to the end and you're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> the third point they make is inherent conflict. So you can hint at the story within, encapsulate a piece of the action in your title. So it's kind of like you give the readers a little sneak peek of what's to come. The fourth useful tip they give is using character names. Using the names of characters or, or even celebrities in your title. That not only brings an air of mystery, but it also makes it interesting. Like Sharon Olds has this poem called The Pope's Penis. And that can be very interesting for very different means. Number one, the title is also very like bizarre, like the Pope's penis. And it's literally about the Pope's penis. <laughs> so you feel free to check that out, but it's just one way to really capture people's attention. The fifth element they give is using place names. Like we I talked about earlier, unique having a unique setting, or sometimes, you know, if 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 you title your poem after a city, people from that city are more likely to read it. The sixth tip is using quirky titles. Like, like things that, that confuse the reader, kind of like fuck the astronauts James Tate using. Uh, the seventh and last tip they give is, is the one word title. And this works best with, with strong cover art or, or especially if you're going in books. But one word titles are the toughest to create because it's, you got to sum up your whole piece in one word. And not just that, that one word isn't just speaking for the poem, but it can also completely elevate the work if done correct so so let's say i come up with a poem that the basic element is boy meets girl right a very stereotypical type of story and as as you're reading through just in the body of the piece you realize it, it is a, a a love story of two people meeting but it's really about uh the the, the boy learning to feel comfortable eating with someone else because maybe um maybe his his mom the the only source of of comfortable food in his life died and 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 he's just eating he's he's just eating shitty meals his whole life and so he finally meets uh, a, a partner that not only likes the same food as 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 that that, that he likes but he al he also finds that she cooks in a way that really reminds him of his mom and if I say, okay, now you got to choose a, a one-word title for this piece, there's so many things you can choose from. Uh, Mom <laughs> is, is, is a title, although that might be a little too hard on the nose. You could choose something like communion, because to eat together is communion, but there's also adds this element of, of religiousness, having a religious experience. And, and so one-word titles are extremely difficult. When done right, they really strengthen your work. But these are all things you could think about when titling your pieces. And, and don't be afraid to, to challenge the status quo. Uh, one, one of my favorite uh, alternative rock bands growing up, Panic at the Disco, is, is, is really known for their wacky long titles. Like if I just pull up a, a list of Panic at the Disco songs, um, their their song titles are just are just ridiculous i mean i write sins not tragedies was the first one that i was like oh, okay um but they they also have songs like 
Lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off? I mean, that's a very wordy title. The only difference between martyrdom and suicide is press coverage. I mean, this was a band that, you know, at certain times they really challenged, you know, how long should a title be? So don't be afraid to to get creative and crazy with your titles, because ultimately those are the ones that are the most captivating. A practical tip whenever you're looking at titles is is just reread your work. Scan for keywords. I mean, in my work, I, I use a lot of water. Uh, rivers, oceans, or any imagery that invokes the the idea or the feeling of water, like waves or or the moon pulling with its current, or or hair becoming a current of water. So if if I write a poem about a woman who has hair that's that's got a strong current, like like a river calling me to drown in it, my title should definitely reflect that. I mean, it could be called drowning, or learning to swim. Or, or life jacket, different ways to play with that. And each word has its own different connotation. So feel free to go back through your work and just scan not only what is your piece about, but what words do you use and what do those words mean? I love words. I love the etymology, the, the origin. But also I love learning synonyms and antonyms because if you think about it, no two words really mean the exact same thing. And then you get into the the concept of, of words that mean different things in different languages or, or words that are supposed to mean the same thing but have multiple meanings. We, we live in a, in a world of almost infinite words, if not infinite words, and, and words being created every day. So there is always a new potential for, for something new to be, to be explained, to be created, to be described. But I do want to get back to the talk around titles as boundaries and really talk about boundaries as not just a physical line that marks the limits of an area like a border that says this is the United States and over there is Mexico and we are different. Because in the past few years, there's been an increased awareness and communication around internal boundaries. These non-visible a mental, spiritual, emotional limits that then dictate who we allow in and who we keep out. And I've talked about boundaries before in terms of learning to uphold those boundaries regarding other people. But today's talk, since we're talking about our own creative work, I want to talk about boundaries we uphold from ourselves or for ourselves. For example, here in, in my journey, I realized that I, I can push myself really hard. Yes, I'm a hard worker and that can be a good thing. But at the same time, sometimes I pressure myself to live in a certain way. Or I have this idea that, oh, well, look at what, what these other people are doing. And I, I don't want to fall behind. So I have to, I have to work harder than others. I got to produce more than others. I, I have to challenge myself each and every day. And so what this mindset produced is, is when I would feel anxious, a part of me would want to challenge that anxiety. And instead of comforting myself and saying, hey, it's okay, you're safe, I'm here to nurture myself, I'm here to nurture me, I would instead, in, in a way, tell myself to suck it up, to say, come on, how are you going to give in to fear? How are you going to give in to the enemy? How are you going to let this emotional state conquer you? So I had to make some boundaries with myself. There are certain subjects I won't talk about too often. Spiritual subjects around 
infinity and 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 what happens after death and and the true nature of the spirit mostly because here in this certain moment i lack grounding therefore when i talk about these subjects it's like it's like i i am uh, i i am a, a rock trying to live in the air and and after so many times of falling right cuz a rock can't live in the air i wrote a whole poem about this <laughs> I have so many cracks all over and and instead of continuing to try to jump and live in the air I'm saying hey before I crack myself further because I also have caused myself some damage which can in its own way be irreparable like I, I there, there's certain things I can't fully heal from at least not soon I'm a ground feel comfortable with being human right or in this analogy being a rock here on earth grounding myself and i created this boundary of look yes i have a podcast that discusses that discusses spiritual matters yes i love talking about different different things and, and subjects like infinity and and the spirit and and ascension but if it causes me anxiety i have to listen to my body listen to my heart first so i created that boundary and i have to uphold that boundary and it's difficult and, and, and this is something I've also found in, 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 in other areas, like when, when I have started obsessing over, over new camera gear, because right now I'm on this director, videographer, cinematographer, photographer type of, of, of path, and, and I, I'll start obsessing over gear and styles of art. One boundary I've had to create is, look, focus on what I have and doing the best or, or making the best out of what I do have versus spending time obsessing and trying to calculate what I need down the line. And in your life, you're going to find that, well, yes, other people are going to be crossing your boundaries. The biggest trespasser over your boundaries is going to be yourself. You not listening to yourself when your body says, I need rest. You not listening to yourself when your heart says, I need time to grieve. You not listening to yourself, to your feet, to your hands that say, I'm tired. You not listening to yourself when you say, hey, I need to chill on spending. You are going to be the biggest trespasser of all of your boundaries. And it's important to be aware of that. Because the relationship we form with ourselves, right? It's, it's me and myself, you and yourself, this relationship is going to be the most powerful, the most personal, the most honest, the most naked. And if you can form an honest, open, vulnerable, nurturing relationship with yourself, there is nothing that will get in your way. There will be no one that can really stop you from, from accomplishing all that you desire. Because like I've said before, and I'll say again, you are worthy of all your dreams. You are deserving. Of, all, of achieving all of your desires, you are deserving to conquer and overcome because that is in your nature. All of that is in your nature. But to get there, it's going to take, take some time, some patience, most important, honesty with yourself. So I challenge you to, to take a look at the boundaries you've set for other people and then ask yourself how you relate to them. Have you been crossing any of your boundaries? Is there a, a habit, a, 
um, a behavior that, that you are currently doing or that you feel like you're falling back into a negative cycle that you've you've talked and said, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm, I'm going to cut, you know, I'm going to cut my smoking. I'm going to cut my Netflix binging. I'm going to cut my spending. And yet you keep doing it. That's going to be a great indication of a boundary that you set up that you yourself are not respecting. And if you want other people to respect your boundaries and you have to be the first one to respect your own, it's also a great practice to talk to yourself and be like, hey, and, and I mean, yes, physically talk to yourself. No, don't just think it. Talk to yourself physically and say, hey, why am I crossing my own boundary? And tell yourself how you feel about it. It might be a little weird if you don't already do this. If you don't already do this, I... This is a great time to start because you, you can't think it in your mind. Sure. But then you're in your head, you're in your mind and, and things like anxiety I and mean, your thoughts itself. It's an infinite stream where anything can really come. But when you're speaking, you're giving those thoughts a little extra power. So when, when you say, hey, why am I crossing my own boundary? Why am I not listening to myself? And you're having that dialogue outside of your mind. You're not just present with yourself. You're present in the moment. And you're also working and flexing that throat chakra, which is important. And actually, I might actually have a whole episode dedicated to the chakras now that I have a better understanding of them since I've been very focused on my root chakra. But for me, to, to nurture my root chakra... It was very deficient, and so and, and so to open it, to work it, to assist in, in you know, finding those gears, get it working, growing, and smooth, running smoothly. I've had to check in with myself about my boundaries. Let myself know when I'm crossing them, and have very honest conversations with myself around why I'm engaging in certain behavior, how it's making me feel. And what I can do to then change it. And, and, and that changes everything. That changes absolutely everything. So when you're thinking of your titles, it's all boundaries. It's all definition. It's, all, it's either limiting something or allowing it to expand. And with yourself, it's the same thing. It's either limiting yourself when you need to relax, chill on something. Or giving yourself the freedom to unleash your beautiful vital energies into this world and that's my talk for today <laughs> but now as i promised the title of, of the poem i mentioned earlier spiritual vagabonding in sacramento here is the poem spiritual vagabonding in sacramento my depression has grown so thick that i have forgotten who i am i am tired of living and yet i am beyond suicide because what I carry inside me is something that not even death can take away. I know because she has told me. I know because when she holds me, she calls me her son, even when she kisses me like a lover. The earth is a world that spins around me. The demons in my head dance with the birds inside my dreams. The trees no longer call me by my name. When I walk by them, they turn into crosses and call me prophet. The sun offers its heart to me, but I continue to refuse it. What use is light to me when I have no idea 
where I am going. But thank y'all for tuning in to this episode. We'll be back in two weeks with episode six, editing, analysis, and self-understanding. Peace, love, and blessings to you all. Till next time.